Captain's Log, Stardate 74925.7. Visitors from Bajor and Kronos have flooded the station. This is a welcome change for life here, I think. Meanwhile, my officers have informed me of an energy discharge being engineered. This episode of These Are the Voyages is brought to you by Katie Clams. Thank you. Well, hey everyone, welcome to another voyage here with us on the podcast. Welcome to These Are the Voyages. I'm the captain. I'm Captain. Ch- I'm Captain Chase McKinnon. And uh, anyways, we uh, anyway, anyways, whatever. It's a word now. Whatever it ends up being. Um, I am apparently flustered being around like my number one for some reason. So thanks a lot, dude. Um, I'm so happy to have my friend back who makes me not be able to speak. He gives me feels apparently. And, um, anyways, welcome back, Eric. It's so happy to, so happy. It's so good to have you back on the show. We are off to a great start. Welcome in. Welcome back. I'm not normally the one that gets people flustered. Well, you can't say that anymore, now can you? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> I got you all bothered. Goodness. Well, I mean, I, I am hot right now because it's like, like friggin', like, you know, you know, like the sun that they show in the opening of TNG? I'm like about one meter away from that sun right now here in Texas. Because it is hot here at Lone Star Station. Like, hot. Well, I mean, I'll be down there pretty soon. I'll feel that hotness. Are, are I mean, I know we're like right at the beginning. We're like a minute in. Are we allowed to make that announcement now? Is, is that a thing? I mean, it's not It's not a secret. Sweet. Well, um, hey, everyone out there in listener land, out in podcast land that listens to the show, you know that um, Eric is always talking about getting his shuttlecraft and going home. Well... If he wants to do that now, he's going to have to enter in new coordinates. Eric, why don't you why don't you tell our dear listeners the change that is a coming for you? Yeah, I um, just a couple of weeks ago, I accepted a job and I am moving to San Antonio in July. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Right. Somehow I ended up in Texas. I'm not sure I'll ever consider myself a Texan, right? I mean, I've been in Missouri for 10 years, and I don't think I've ever really considered myself a Missourian. A Missourian? Not really sure which A it miser? Is. Or is it a miser? Uh, well, I, I mean, <laughs> I've been called a miser before. <laughs> <laughs> oh, goodness. Well, yeah, we're going to be, um, oh, what is it, from San Antonio to my place. It's like about, what, four hours? Yeah, something like that. Something like that. Depending on if you're driving the, depending if you're driving the legal speed limit, it's four hours. If you, or five hours if you're not. Listen, I I always hear these jokes about people in Texas driving fast, but that's not been my experience. My experience is that Texas people don't drive that fast. Hmm. Hmm. Well, go out to West Texas. I remember you. You at one point were telling me about um i think it was like when the heck was that like two or three months ago at least 
that yeah, you Yeah, I had you a were, job interview in Odessa back in January. Was that Odessa College? Is that what it was? Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, like Odessa, Odessa, Midland, I mean, they have some pretty reasonable speed limits out there. It's like, I think, 75 for the most part. But when you keep going further west on I-20 and you get out to Monahans, the legal speed limit changes to 80. And when you get about, I think, an hour further west of Monahans, maybe an hour and a half, like the legal speed limit changes to 90. What? For real, dude. No way. Yahweh. It's totally a thing. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, when you get out to like Van Horn, Van Horn, the Van Horn area of Texas, it's 90 because there's like no one around. And it's like scary as heck. It's like Autobahn type <laughs> type stuff going on out way out in West Texas. Way West Texas. All right. Yeah. But yeah, it drives it drives me nuts sometimes whenever I'm driving around here. Um, just like how slow some people drive or or sometimes how fast people drive. Like, for instance, whenever I, I'm driving my daughter like to and from um, daycare. Like the speed limit is 60 and like no one goes 60. No one, no one goes 60. They're going like 70. And everywhere that that, ha- that happens, there's always a copper. But if you don't go more than 60, if you don't keep up with the flow of traffic, you're going to get run off the road. And at one point, I remember I was pushing like 85 in a 60. And like people were still riding my tail. I'm like, what's up with that, man? Like drive, drive friendly the Texas way. I mean, you see the sign whenever you come into Texas. I think that's what it says, actually. <laughs> Maybe. I don't usually pay that much attention. Well, yeah. There you go. Well, for I mean, we're gonna we're actually going to have to do stuff. I mean, my world's about to change here pretty soon. But with you being, you know, four hours away. Um, As there opposed won't, to 10 or right. 11. Yeah, we might actually be able to do stuff like on a weekend every now yeah. and again together, which would be yeah. kind of cool. Yeah, it'd be kind of cool. Yep. Yeah. So, well, um, that's cool. So you're going to be, um, um, so you accepted a job and it's still teaching math, correct? That's correct. Yep. Okay. That All is right. my life's work. All right. I had, a, um, I don't know if I ever told you this, but I had like this weird dream in like the middle of the night. That's usually when I dream. And, um, <laughs> And, and I had like this random like like formula that like popped into my head and I was like trying to remember the name of it and um, anyways I have it somewhere on my phone but it was like it had something to do with like I think rates like rate of speed it wasn't like distance formula or anything basic like that it was like something like that started with a B that's all I know so, and I'll it might have been made up. Maybe it was a real thing. I don't know. Like, stranger things have happened in my dreams. I don't know. Have you had any weird dreams lately, Eric? Any weird dreams? I, I don't I don't remember my dreams. I, I mean, I'm sure I have them, but I don't remember them. Fair enough. Fair enough. Well, uh, apart from, you know, getting a new uh, J-O-B in Texas... Uh, what's been happening otherwise well well i mean i mean 
you know, now that I'm moving to Texas, we can we can relate this back to the last episode where you and David were talking. You started out talking about like your cowboy boots and your That's cowboy right. hat, right? I need to get me a Texas outfit, right? There me you a go. nice pair of cowboy boots and a cowboy hat, a bolo tie, and a, a big ass Texas belt buckle. <laughs> right? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> oh shoot! There was a there was a guy. Speaking of big belt buckles, there was um, a guy when I was on camp staff, we called him Philmont because like everything about him, but okay, let me, let me pause for a second. Philmont is like this premier Boy Scout camp. If you've never heard of it, it's in uh, Northern New Mexico. I've been there. It's beautiful. I love me some Philmont. Now that I've said that, the dude wore like almost everything Philmont every single day when he was on camp staff and it like annoyed the living crap out of us. And when he was, like, on camp staff, right, he's got, like, this this giant, like, dinner plate Philmont belt buckle. <laughs> and, like, we harassed him relentlessly. Like, scout law out the window. Like, it was just, like, <laughs> like nothing but, like, straight-up relentless harassment for, like, how big this belt buckle was and all the Philmont stuff that he had. Like, he had Philmont shorts, Philmont socks. Like, he had the patches. He had a hat. Like, if he wasn't on duty, like, if he wasn't, like, at the um, the waterfront, uh, he was, like, he was just in love with it. Like, I think if he if he had the opportunity to propose to Philmont, he probably would have. Well, you yeah. know, you got to put your love somewhere, right? <laughs> I mean, I guess so. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh. Wow. wow. I know a place, Eric, that I can get you a dinner yeah. a dinner plate. Uh, belt cowboy buckle. cowboy outfitter. Yeah, I, yeah, I can hook you up. I know some places. I know some people. I mean, I mean there's a boot barn in Kansas City. I could probably go and get myself a nice pair of boots. The real question is like what kind of boots would you get? Like I'm not like well, let's not worry about like what type of leather right but like would you get like a pointed toe a rounded or a square you know i used to have a pair of square toed uh working boots you know outdoor when i could work at the park you know in college i worked for parks sure. and Rex maintenance so i had a nice pair of you know square toe working boots so that's probably the style i would get i can dig it okay yeah i can't get like a heel that's too big right because this is a, this is the story. I'll just tell this quick. Um, I love when I was story. going to buy these these boots, right, nice pair of working boots, I went to to Red Wing Shoes, right, and yeah. um, I was trying on a pair of logger boots. And if you know you don't know what pair of logger boots are, they've got like a bigger heel on them. So like when people are climbing poles or something, they can like you know latch the heel onto the the steps or the pegs that are put into the poles, right? Sure. And so I tried them on, and I was walking around the store, and I don't know, these, these things were maybe an inch and a half. They were not, like, super big heels. And I was, like, falling forward just on my face, just, like, trying to walk around this store wearing these, these like, one-and-a-half-inch heels. And I just walked around the store, and I sat back down, and the, the salesperson, she was a woman, she was like, I don't think those are the boots for you. <laughs> <laughs> like, just like that, she's like... I don't think those are the boots for you. 
<laughs> and I could tell she was just like laughing at me because they weren't they weren't like a big heel, but like as a guy, I don't know how to walk in heels. There you go. Goodness, yeah. I, whenever, like, there was a pair of boots I had at one point, and this is not the um, you know the the cowboy boot podcast by any means, even though we're doing two episodes in a row apparently. Um, you can blame me for this one, right? You're I welcome. brought it up. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know. Like a like a tether, you just had to bring it up. Yeah, had to yep. bring it back, didn't you? <laughs> That's right. Goodness. Well, um, yeah. Th- I, there was a pair that I was wearing at one point, and it was. I remember like my shins and my ankle hurting so much from wearing them, and I'm like, mm, can't wear these anymore. Not gonna happen. <laughs> but. Yeah, I mean, we can we can definitely hook you up with like, ooh, we gotta get you like a really tacky Western wallet. Oh yeah. Yeah, it's gotta like have like the Western like, it's like all leathery and tanned and like with like some leather like braiding to it. We have to get like the like your initials on your your leather tacky wallet, right? So people know That's that right. it belongs to you. <laughs> Sounds like a plan. Man, so if there's anyone out there in listener land and you just so happen to own a Western shop and you want Eric to model your your merch, he's totally game for it. I mean, he's got two thumbs up right now for crying out loud. You can't see him, but he's all about that cowboy life. He's all about that Western life. Otherwise, he wouldn't be moving to Texas. Nope. <laughs> oh goodness. Well, um, yeah. You'll so you'll be moving down to Texas. I think like middle of July is what you've been okay. telling me. Yep. So, um, so we'll we'll figure some stuff out. You know, with your move and stuff like because um, I know moving can be very stressful. It can be very busy. A lot of moving parts. Tell me. About I do it. not miss moving. <laughs> yeah. Don't I don't miss moving. At all. Me neither. The last time I moved, I was supposed to have a friend like help me move, but he bailed on me at the last minute. And so like mm-hmm. I knocked on my neighbor's door who I'd never met before ever in my life, even though he lived next door to me for maybe two or three years. Never met him. I was like, Hey, help me move. Mm-hmm. Can you help me move? Like I'll give you some money and some beer or whatever, you know, just help me move. And so he helped me load up everything into the trailer that I bought, but like um, yeah. When I moved, when I drove to my new house, there was nobody here to help me unload. So I had to unload everything by myself. And uh, my couch ended up being stuck in my garage for like a week. Because, like, you can't really hmm. move a couch by yourself, right? Unless you're really motivated. Yeah, and, and then... Like, like, the way from my garage into my house, there was no way I was getting that couch because you got to go in and then turn almost immediately. So I ended up having to take my couch yeah. around the side of my house and to my front door, and I, like, pivoted. Pivot. I, was like, I was like Ross in the Friends episode. Pivot! 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 And I, like, like you know, pivoted it on the ground and, like, rotated <laughs> it around and set it down and then walked to the other side of it and picked it up and pivoted and rotated it around. All the way around the side of my house to the front door. Oh goodness, goodness! I, I think I think I don't remember if I told 
I don't think I said it on the show, like when it happened, but uh, I mean, I, me- I mentioned like what, like a project that we were doing, um, you know, getting Elena's big girl room set up. Like we were like giving her like a like a full size bed because it was it was Michelle's old bed and it was just like collecting dust. We're like, well, let's just use this for her. Um, that way we have like a toddler bed and like the crib and everything ready for our our second child whenever um, he gets here. Well. I, there's like these two dressers that I just, I hate moving them because of like our hallways and you, you've seen the hallway. So, you know, like where I record, you know, where the restroom is, you know, where my daughter's room is and there's that room in between and that's where we were moving stuff back and forth. And like, it's a kind of semi narrow to average size hallway, yeah. but there's not much like turn that you have with stuff. So like I've like at times, like I had to get really creative with like moving stuff in and out of that room. <laughs> so I was definitely. I mean, I don't watch Friends, but I know enough about Friends to know about Pivot, and I've seen that scene. And like I felt yeah. like I was like living that at times during that big move day. It was fantastic. <laughs> oh my gosh, Pivot, yeah, Pivot, Pivot. Moving is aw- moving is awful. Don't do it. Avoid it at all costs. Yeah. 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 But this is the strange. Here's the strange thing. Since we're talking about moving, and I'm about to make you super jealous, perhaps I don't know. Um, but I was telling Michelle, like, hey, this is like this is the residence we've been in the longest in our relationship together. Like we've we've been in our house for three years now, like over three years, I should say, and like the longest one we had up until this was our apartment whenever I was in seminary, which was like just shy of three years. So, um, and like we've had hmm. people that are like, hey, why don't you move? I'm like, nope, I'm happy being here. Nope. Nope, I'm good. You must have done a lot of moving then. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like she um, she moved in. Um, right after we got married in Midland, right? And uh, we stayed for about a year and a half in Midland. And from there, we went to Dallas, stayed there for just shy of three years. Uh, we moved north of Dallas for a year. And then uh, we inherited my late grandfather's house in Fort Worth. And uh, we were there for eight months. And then there were drive-by shootings. And I'm like, no, we're moving away. And uh, here we are. So I, I remember us being terrified at one point. Uh, we got up early, like, I mean, not early, but like, you know, like you're getting up early to get ready for work and stuff. And you just hear like these, like you hear these um, semi-automatic rifle type things just kind of going by and like sh- and hitting the side of your house and stuff. And I'm not making this up, dude. And anyways. I, I, don't, think, I don't think you are. It was, uh, and I'm sorry if I'm, I'm, I should have done a trigger warning. I, I, like in all seriousness, like I'm sorry if that upsets anyone, but it was, it was terrifying. And my daughter was like just a few months old and, um, I had to leave. I mean, I had to leave to go to work. Like I drove like at least an hour, hour and a half away, an hour and a half on the road to get to work. And anyway, but wow, we went like. We went like kind of dark, didn't we? We started out like having some fun talking about you getting a new job in San Antonio, to getting a frisbee-sized belt buckle, to this. Wow. Wow. 
Ooh, yep. wait. But speaking of yep. belt buckles, they do sell the Admiral belt buckle. So, I mean, I'm just saying. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, give me one of those. Get you some, like, Starfleet-issue Western boots and, like, the Admiral belt buckle? Shoot, man. Get you some, like, like ultra-starched, like, denim blue jeans to go with that stuff? Man. Mm. Here we go, Eric. Here we go. See, we're bringing it back. We're bringing mm. it back. Yeah. We'll get it. We'll get it. <laughs> oh, lordy. Well, um... Things are about to get a little nuts for the show um, between Eric moving here and um, my, uh, my my kiddo, my next kiddo, about to make his entrance. Things are going to get a little nuts, and we haven't quite figured out like what uh, July's recording recording is going to look like. It might be like maybe an episode lighter, so we might only have like two episodes in July, just an FYI for our listeners. Um as opposed to like the three that we typically plan on. So um, just bear with us uh, for the month of July so that Eric, you know, gets used to or gets his moving taken care of basically and uh, me getting used to being a father of a second child. So. I think that's the more important thing. I mean, they're both important. Yeah, I think I think the the kid is a little bit more important than you moving or the show. <laughs> well, <I'm> both. <laughs> well, whatever happens, happens. And uh, anyway, well, we we do have some um, some fun stuff that we have planned um, already for the show, and uh, I'll try and remember and talk about that. Uh, as we start to wrap up later, but we have, we got stuff that we got to talk about for this episode. And if the name of this episode of our episode for this podcast didn't give it away, we're going to be talking about an episode from season four of deep space nine. And, uh, depending on how it's listed on, uh, wherever you watch it, it's either episode, uh, two or three, depending on how you look at it. And that's the episode, the visitor, Yes. So, um, anyway, um, whenever I approached Eric about this, um, I kind of caught him off guard. And um, this, I, I told Eric, like, hey, this is kind of the plan I have, um, very abruptly, actually. And, um, like, there's, this is the issue that I'm kind of I'm dealing with. Um, how would you feel about talking about this episode since we talk a lot about certain other franchises of Trek we don't give Deep Space Nine probably as much love as we should even though it's a fantastic show um, and um, originally if, I, if I'm pulling back the curtain and I'm kind of like sharing a little bit about like why this show the, um, the first thing that comes to mind is um, with Cisco and Jake like we see this very great this dynamic relationship um, throughout throughout the series, and you know this you know here in just a few short days it's going to be Father's Day, Father's Day 2021, and I figured what better way to honor fathers than a great Star Trek father? To be completely honest with you, and 
um, I knew like what the content was like with the visitor and um, I know that there was like a little bit of like pause from you Eric um, from what from doing this um, and that's okay um, after watching it you know to prepare for this this show and this recording um, dang like after what happened in February with with me and my family dang it hit me in a, in a new way so um, I don't know like I, I don't want to like necessarily put you on the spot but like um, tell me a little bit about you know this episode for you just before we really start this discussion and kind of like maybe where it kind of like ranks for you in terms of you know appreciation or just in general like what you think about this episode in general yeah so um <clears throat> like i mean i i mean i've been open on this show before like um you know my father died when i was 12 years old um it's been 21 years now so it's not it's not recent um but you know my uh my dad is the person who introduced me to star trek right that's how i got into it right and it was it was something that you know we did we did together we watched star trek and um and i'll always associate you know star trek with my dad and so you know it's it's difficult to watch an episode like this you know where you have this great bond between between jake and and cat benjamin cisco right they have a great relationship together and um you know, when I first watched *Deep Space Nine, it was when I was in college, right, freshman in college, and that was like a, a bad time for me emotionally, mentally, and a lot of, um, a lot of those issues um, still revolved around, you know, my dad at that point. And um, when I turned to Star Trek, it was because it was something that was comforting, you know, because that was going to help me. I don't want to get dramatic and say, like, Star Trek saved my life or anything like that, but but being able to turn to Star Trek, which was like my comfort, my comfort blanket that I could wrap myself in, it really helped me get through that time. And so when I got to D Space Nine, I was I started with Voyager and then I did The Next Generation, and I was getting to D Space Nine. It was the first time I was watching it, and so like when I got to this episode in my D Space Nine rewatch. And you, we have that teaser at the very beginning, um, and it says, you know, it's an old Jake, and he's like, terrible, the worst thing that could happen to a boy happened to me. You know, I lost my father, and I was like, Whew, this is supposed to be my comfort blanket. And I, I mean, I don't know how that this is going to make me feel. And so, you know, I watched the episode, and it, I was wrecked for a good solid hour after watching this episode. I was just in tears, like... You know, unapologetically, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna like sit here and and um, apologize for crying after this episode because it was very emotional to me just because yeah. of what Star Trek means to me. Yeah. And like, this is an, ep it's a great episode. It's an amazing episode. It's one of the best episodes of, I would say, television, not just Star Trek, but television. And it's not an episode I avoid. You know, you asked me if I wanted to record and talk about this episode and, and I, I had some trepidation and you were like, what well, is this an episode you avoid? And I was like, I don't avoid it per se, but it's not an episode that I'm going to like seek out and watch all the time. Sure. So, as opposed to, you know, 
other episodes of Star Trek that I'm like, I want to watch that episode. Yeah. Yeah, I uh, I remember the first time that I watched it, and it and now and watching it now, it now and then there are these two totally different experiences. Um, watching them, I I was um, not. I mean, I don't, I don't mean to us to start this this conversation off like a like a wet blanket or anything. Um, Eric, I don't know if you've ever had this or if any of our listeners have ever had this experience, but. Like, uh, you know, the day that, you know, um, it leading up to like recording this, I was like, man, and it, and it had nothing to do with like knowing that I, I can, I needed to watch this episode to prepare, but it was like, I just like want to like, I miss him. I, I miss my mom. It was, it's not my dad. Like I miss my mom and like, I just wanted to like look back at like the old like the comments and stuff that like when I originally posted hey my mom passed away and like it's this weird feeling because like I wanted to cry right like I I was seeking out like wanting to cry and remember my mom and like it's like this weird like joy and sadness at like the same time and um <clears throat> so what like preparing for this show like there were like certain scenes that just hit me in a, in a way, um, like thinking about my mom more than so my dad, of course. Um, like there's, there's a particular scene when they finally like catch him basically. And they're in, um, sick bay, like on the station and just like the dialogue, like the, the exchange, the dialogue that happens between Cisco and Jake, like, holy crap. Like that's the kind of thing that I want my mom to say to me right now. Or like, like just the different like moments, like I wish my mom would was able to say that to me. So um, I don't, I don't know. I'm kind of rambling, but like, have you ever had any like similar type of thought or or um, experience, kind of like what I'm rambling on about? Yeah. Um, you don't know how many nights I would like like sit there and be like, you know, what I wouldn't give to um, have have him back, right? Right. You know, just, you know, to be able to talk with him, visit with him, do something with him, watch Star Trek with him, something, right? Right. Um, but it's, there's there's a line in, in this episode that that old, that old Jake says, and he says something like, um, to the effect of, you know, people learn to live with it, and, uh, you know, they move on, time happens, and they heal. And, you know, there's that old cliched line of time heals all wounds, but, like, not always, you know? I mean, there's there's certain times when, you know, time makes it worse. Mm. You know, you don't, you, you do, you do learn to not think of it all the time, and, you know, you do get to the point where, you know, you accept it, I mean, and then you move on. But you'll always have those moments where, where you know, you, you'll, you want to spend time with them. And, and I, I think one of the poignant things about this episode is that it's really a double-edged sword in a sense that, like, you know, his, no, you know his, Jake's dad is not gone, but he is gone. And it's like, how do you, how do you heal? And how do you get to that point when you can move on mm-hmm. if you know they're not truly gone, if you know they could pop up any minute? 
and and are they ever really truly gone and how do you how do you deal with that and you can just see i think tony todd does a fantastic job in this episode of just of showing that emotion of like i'm trying to heal and i'm trying to move on but at the same time i know that's not possible right right well let's um let's talk maybe talk a little bit about like some of the background of this particular episode um and then we can kind of dive into um like some of like the i don't know like the highlights the highs the lows and uh wherever the conversation takes us so how's that sound sure so um this was originally um supposed to be directed by um renee renee aubergenois um originally uh for anyone that might uh be curious but Due to um, the production schedule and um, the schedule of um, um, Colmini, um, he wasn't going to be available for uh, a certain like production schedule block or whatever. So they actually had to move some stuff around. Uh, like they had to flip the production order essentially, which meant that um, it was even though it was originally Renee um, that this was originally going to be. Um, I think four three or four four, depending on how you look at it. Um, it ended up being four two four three, basically. Um, so that meant that. Um, oh shoot! I just lost the name. Um, and it was the person that ended up directing it. Um, he was originally supposed to be directing um, Hippocratic Oath, which went to Renee. So uh, David Livingston uh, was the director that did this, and um, he. This was like one of his favorite things to ever direct as a result. He, he loved the outcome of this and um, he was, he was very, very proud of the work by the cast and the crew in making this particular episode what it was. Yeah. What, what else did so, I'm looking up David Livingston now? What else did he direct? What other episodes? Let's find out, shall we? <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm looking up now. So he did. So he's got sixty-two credits. Goodness, um, he's he had two okay. episodes from TNG, seventeen from in, Deep Space in the, Nine. In the hands, I'm just looking at the Deep Space Nine, like in the hands of the prophets, the season one finale, um, the Maquis Part One crossover, the die is cast. So that's like, you know, a good episode. Homefront, Sons of Moog, also with Tony Todd. Yeah. The Nagus. Good. Yeah. <laughs> Inter Arma Inum Salant Legus. Yep. In times of war, the law falls silent. Most of his episodes, it looks like, were on Voyager, though. He did 28 Voyager episodes. Um, the Cloud, uh, Future's End. That's a good one. I like Future's End. Um, let's see. Equinox 1 and 2. Spirit Folk was kind of weird. Yeah. That was a weird... Maneuvers. That maneuvers and Deadlock. Yep. And he did, uh, let's see, 15 episodes of Enterprise. Uh, Strange New World, Shuttlepod 1. Uh, the Crossing, that was a good one from Enterprise. Uh, quite a few... Well, did, the, did the Council, Borderland. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, he's got, like... He's got a lot of Star Trek. Yeah. Red. The Mind's Eye from TNG. Was the Mind's Eye, was that the one where Riker and uh, the the 
female helmsman were abducted by the no. aliens? No, the mind's eye is the one where Jordy is brainwashed. That's right. That's right. What's the one where that I'm thinking like, of then? Say that again. The one you know okay. where Riker and uh, it's the the um, black helmsman, the the lady. Um, they're like Ensign Rager. Is that who it was? Yeah. And and they're um, like abducted like by these like aliens like from like I don't know. They're like these weird aliens. They do like probes and some weird. Like in the middle of the night. Yeah, middle of the night type stuff. Yeah, it's yeah. called that's called schisms. That was a creepy episode. That's a creepy episode. That's, that's like, like that's like, like Star Trek goes Twilight Zone. That's nightmare fuel, dude. <laughs> Goodness. Yeah. Nightmare fuel. So anyone wants to like not sleep for like a day or two, go watch schisms. Have have at it. Yeah, I think that's also the episode where we get the warp wharf saying, Klingons do not allow themselves to, to get probed. probed. <laughs> 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 oh. Nothing like a good probing in Star Trek. Mmm. Plenty of aliens <laughs> to probe people. That's what I'm talking about. Mmm. 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 Get a little aquaphor, you know? <laughs> all right, all right, all right, all right. <laughs> This is going downhill real quick, real quick. Here we go, here we go. I know we got to lighten the mood from all the, 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 the down talk here. Well, yeah. Oh, anyway, so yeah, David Livingston, um, he was the one that, that directed this particular episode. And um, this, um, I, I, was, I was trying to think of this, Eric, and, and you might say I'm like dead wrong on some of this stuff. Maybe not. You might agree with me for once. I don't know. Um, I'm kidding, but uh, with with this episode, there this reminded me of. Uh, I was trying to think of like episodes like throughout the the Star Trek, like franchise, and in terms of like what this was doing, right? So like, I think the most obvious parallel like type of episode that this kind of connects to is going to be something like Inner Light from Next Gen. Um. I was also kind of thinking timeless from Voyager to a certain extent. Um, maybe like City on the Edge of Forever from original series in a way. But the one that I was kind of blanking on was what would it be in Enterprise? Like if there was a parallel with Enterprise. Um, maybe the episode of it's called, it's called Twilight, I think is the name of the episode in season three, where like um, Archer gets these brain parasites and they cause him to like not remember. He can't build long-term memories. Yeah. Or short, he can't build short-term memories, right? Yeah. And so he always, every day he resets to the beginning and like it tells the story of like, to Paul tells the story to him of what happened and mm-hmm. knowing that he's going to forget it. Mm-hmm. But then they have like, um, they put him in the warp core at the end to try and like dissolve the brain parasites or whatever, and it resets the timeline. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's the closest thing that I can think I, of. That's that sounds. Except for the fact that like once the timeline gets reset in that episode, no one no one remembers anything. Mm-hmm. So like it, obviously in the inner light, Picard remembers everything that happens, mm-hmm. and in this episode, the visitor. Benjamin Cisco, he he remembers everything that happens. That's like one heck of a burden, though. 
Yeah. That's one heck of a burden. I mean, I think it was, um, I was talking to David about that recently, um, like in a different, like with, um, like a different sci-fi series that you and I are acquainted with. And that's unending, you know, the series finale of SG one, you know, with, with everything needing to be reset, like one person has to basically give something up so that the rest can survive. And that's Teal'c, you know, with, with, it was like like close to a hundred years, wasn't it? Or yeah, they were on. They well, it wasn't that they were on the ship for like thirty years or something, stuck in a time bubble. Yeah, and that the ship fired at them and they stopped it, and then they needed to use that phaser blast or whatever to to power whatever they needed to do to reset the timeline. Yeah, but yeah, Teal Teal had to, you know, remember the, all that time. Mm-hmm. And it, it's it. it Anyway, like that's that's just one heck of a sacrifice, you know. That we see, you know, Benjamin, we see Picard, we see, um, I mean, kind of Kirk, right? With Edge of Forever in a way. Yeah, he yeah he has to remember that burden. Him and him and Spock and Bones all, but like, I mean, I would say the thing that that makes maybe the inner light a little different is that it gets some follow up. And this episode never gets any follow-up. The City on the Edge of Forever never got any follow-up. I mean, like, the the original series was just designed, so nothing nothing ever connected. Right. And that's perfectly fine. But, like, with a show like Deep Space Nine, you know, maybe it could have been something they could have explored at some point. Like, uh, some kind of follow-up to this. Yeah, yeah. That would have been interesting. I don't know. I don't know what that would have looked like, but you know, the follow-up to the inner light is not what I would have thought it'd have been. You know, Picard basically falling in love because of the music. Mm-hmm. Love me some music, and we're definitely gonna talk about music here a little bit later on. Um, there's a there's a sketch. Um, there, there's a sketch in um, Jake's house, mansion, chateau, whatever he calls it, and. The, uh, I was reading some notes on this, and apparently the, the painting itself of, of his house was like significantly and very largely inspired by the Disney um, ride, the Dis- Disneyland ride, The Haunted Mansion. Which, I mean, they're both okay. set in Louisiana, so, I mean, it makes sense uh, that it would kind of have like that kind of vibe kind of connection. And... Uh, and like looking at the picture, you. I can totally see it having ridden the haunted mansion multiple times. So, okay. Um, I don't know if you you um, noticed. I mean, you you do like annual, like I think is it star date? Do you do star date watch throughs? Yeah, I, I do that. I don't do it annually, right? But yeah, I I have. I have gone through and found all the star dates from all the episodes, and I put them into into an order. Sometimes it doesn't always work because, like, there's episodes that need to be flipped based upon star dates. But yeah, I've, I've definitely watched Star Trek in that manner. So this is the episode uh, for anyone that might not uh, have noticed, or maybe you just don't care. It's it's fine too. Um, where Kira goes from like her very boxy looking orange looking uniform shoulder with shoulder pa- with like mega shoulder pads to a much more sleek um, red ish uniform, 
what do you what do you think of like just her uniform? I know this is kind of like random, but like, do you, did you like the change? Like her going from the orange thing to the red thing? I mean, it's. I kind of like Kira in the first style uniform because this this next it's more feminine in a sense, right? It's it's sleeker. It doesn't look like something that you would wear out in a fight, right? Where the first one looks like something you could actually get into a scrap, you know, while you're wearing and and Kira to me is is she's a badass bitch, right? Like <laughs> Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. She is someone who is going to get into a scrap. And I just think that first uniform, like, fits that that personality better than this new uniform. I gotcha. Yeah. With the, uh, there was, <clears throat> um, apparently, so the internet was, believe it or not, actually around when this episode came out. And apparently. Al Gore was vice president. Yeah. He created and, it. And apparently, <laughs> yes, he did. I remember okay so I'm going to have to go there this is as political as I'm going to get right now but around the time of the 2000 election going into it um, I remember like George W. Bush like making this like dumb comment like it's hilarious in how dumb it is but it was like if if Al Gore if he invented the internet why did he put W W W at the beginning of it. Because, <laughs> you know, his thing was like holding up a three, like a W, when he was on the campaign trail. So he would just yeah, do W, W, W. Anyway. <laughs> oh. Let's talk Star Trek some more. So, <laughs> yeah. So, um, anyways, there's apparently like this big kerfuffle on the internet. Uh, when, when like this episode, like around the time this episode aired, because it was like, y'all are trying to turn Kira into this Baywatch babe, which like everyone kept saying, no, 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 no. Like, and, and Nana was apparently really on board with the costume change, like for her character and just in general. So, well, yeah, I think, I think for her character arc, you know, she is that, that, that tough, you know, that tough woman. But I think what you see is that she lightens up, right? And so I think maybe, you know, wardrobe can help to, you know, convey emotion and, and growth. And I think, you know, you know, switching to this lighter, mm-hmm. softer style uniform is supposed to help us signify that her character is lightening up and becoming softer, yeah. so to speak. Yeah. But she'll still kick your ass. Straight up, even in a Starfleet uniform, <laughs> if you let her. Yeah, because uh-huh. w- I think it's like the next episode, maybe like two episodes later, is the episode where she goes on that mission with Dakot, and they rescue Zial, and she kicks butt there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. She. Um, so one one other thing that I wanted to point out with um, like some behind this, like maybe two more things with behind the scenes type stuff. Um, Melanie, who's like the fangirl that is hanging out with um, older Jake in this alternate future, basically. That is played by Rachel Robinson, who is the real-life daughter of um, Andy Robinson, who plays Garrick. Yeah, so that, w- I d- that was pretty cool. I did cool. know that, yep. Mm-hmm. You did know that? I did know that, yeah. Nice. Um, 
the the final thing, and you knew like you know music is going to pop up somewhere in here with me. Dennis McCarthy scored this um, this particular episode, and it is regarded as probably one of the best scores in all of Star Trek. And it, it makes frequent appearances on best of, greatest hits type compilations. And um, anyways, if you get a chance to listen to like the visitor score, like the entirety of this episode, like just the music, highly encourage you to do that. Um, I know like there's websites like Trek Core, and of course you can go to like YouTube and Spotify and Apple Music that you know you can pick it up and and listen to it. But um, very very well done. Very um, has a great emotional resonance to it, and um, you can tell that he really paid attention to the notes that the director and the, that um, you know Berman and Pillar and et cetera et cetera gave and I and you know Iris Stephen Bear gave him uh, regarding this episode. So very very well done. Yeah, I mean. If we talk about the writer, the guy who wrote this episode, you know, we talk about the director and everything, uh, his name is Michael Taylor, right? He doesn't have a lot of writing credits, but if you look in Deep Space Nine, he wrote four episodes. He wrote The Visitor, he wrote Things Past, which is an inter- was a really interesting episode. Uh, he wrote Resurrection, which is not so interesting of an episode. <laughs> and then he wrote In the Pale Moonlight. In the Pale Moonlight's so, a good mean, episode. Yeah, so of the four Deep Space Nine episodes he wrote, two of them are undeniable classics. Mm-hmm. Oh, and look at this, dude. He wrote one of your favorite episodes of Voyager. Yeah. Good old Counterpoint. Counterpoint. Yes, he did. I see. Yeah. That. Relativity and Blink of an Eye, Workforce yeah. Part 2. So How he, about that? So he's got some, got some good, uh, good writing credits here. Yeah, that's for dang sure. All the way around. So um, we've we've talked a lot about we spent a good amount of time talking about like background, like behind the scenes, like production type stuff with this particular episode. Um, this episode aired October 9th of nineteen ninety five. So you know, coming up on twenty six years since it first aired. And um, anyways, you mentioned uh, Tony Todd. You know, playing the role of older Jake, and you, this dude, like he shows up like everywhere. He's a phenomenal actor, um, and he was. He, I remember reading some notes that he was pretty dang excited to be able to reprise, um, or not reprise. Well, yeah, reprise. You know, do basically play two parts in Star Trek. You know, with Jake and with Kern. So, um, well, um, in he, the same year, he also and, shows up as a, as. He also shows up as a Herogen in in an episode of Voyager. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing um, with Tony in this episode was his grandmother had passed um, about three months prior to shooting this episode, and he was kind of in a funk and didn't want to do acting. And he gets this call, and this, he reads the script, and it just kind of pulled him back out of it and he's like oh shoot so I think I'm a I'm I'm of the inclination that you know you, you have like that thing that's hitting so close to home kind of like we were talking about at the top of this episode I can't I with him being an actor there's no way that there's not like some kind of method acting going on there where he's pulling from this mourning this grief 
that he's recently experienced and pouring that into this role right now. There ain't no way he didn't do that. Oh yeah, I mean, I mean, you have to you have to use real life experiences to help. I mean, I what do I? I'm not an actor, right? I've never acted in anything in my life. Um, so, but I, you know, you've got to pull experiences from your own your own life to help inform the character that you're playing. And there's no doubt that the fact that he lost his mother, his grandmother, whatever you said, um, just a few months prior to filming this, definitely, definitely. Yeah. You know, use some of that to help him, and he's fantastic in this episode, Tony Todd. Yeah. Well, um, Eric, if you don't mind, maybe kind of give us like a drive-by fruiting of kind of like the synopsis of this episode, if you wouldn't mind. Okay, we're an hour in. We'll give a synopsis. So, um, a lonely traveler, right through the woods, comes upon a house, and she says. By the way, I was looking for you. I didn't come here at random. You're Jake Sisko, the writer, aren't you? And we're like, the Jake Sisko, old Jake Sisko, what's going on? And he's like, she's like, tell me why you stopped writing. You're my favorite writer. And he goes, stop writing because the worst thing that could ever happen to me happened. My dad died. End tease. <laughs> and then <laughs> the funeral, the funeral dirge of the opening theme then plays, right? <laughs> You know, I always <laughs> refer to that as a dirge because that's what it is. <laughs> and then, and then we're taken back to this story about how, while watching the wormhole undergo some inversion or whatever, um, the warp core overloads somehow, and it pff, hits both Jake and and Captain Cisco, and um, Cisco, Captain Cisco, Ben Cisco disappears boom and everyone thinks he dies and then you know jake is you know struggling right trying to you know how do i how do i live without my dad here and periodically his dad will just show up out show up out of nowhere and they realize that he's caught he's not dead he's caught in subspace and they are trying to figure out how to get him out and eventually you know one time when Benjamin Sisko appears, he tells Jake, hey, live your life. Like, I want you to live your life. I want you to let go and just, you know, accept the fact that I'm gone. And at, Jake does at first, but then he realizes that um, he needs his dad. And he, like, does everything he can to figure out how to, to get his dad back. He becomes an expert in astrophysics or some, you know, to the forsaking everything else. And eventually Jake figures out a way to get his dad back for good in a very tragic way. Very, very Shakespearean way Scene. in a sense. Right. <laughs> right. And it, it's, I could imagine Shakespeare writing an well, ending like that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And then Ben has to now experience what his son has been experiencing his whole life mm. for once. Man. Mm. Mm -mm -mm. And, and so, the visitor, the visitor has an obvious double meaning, right? The visitor could refer to the woman who comes into the, into the house, right? To visit Jake. But the visitor also means you know, Ben Sisko trapped in his periodic visits to his son through time. 
And we, and yeah, like there's this like weird, like with this um, shock, this discharge or whatever that happens in, in engineering on the Defiant, we, we eventually, you know, we, we hear like that it's kind of like this, this like ribbon, this cord, this elastic band that keeps snapping them back to each other. Like whenever the line is quote taut, um, is, I think is like what they, they say. And there's something about like it being taut, like there's a straight connection between the two to where they can appear in the same place at the same time. Time has passed for one, but not for the other. Um, so I, we, we spent a lot of time talking about like the emotional, like some of the emotional impact, like even going into this episode, some behind the scenes type of stuff. What were some like maybe like favorite moments for you um, watching this episode? Yeah, so so I think to me one of the the things that really stands out is, um, you know, they're talking about how in, in this alternate history that happens, like the Dominion War never happens. Instead what happens is the Klingons end up taking over the station because we're at this point, we're just after the Way of the Warrior, right, where the Klingons have invaded Cardassia and there's conflict between the Klingons and the Federation and so like they're telling Jake hey you civilians need to leave the station it's not going to be safe here the Klingons are a threat and you know Kira is trying to convince Jake to leave and Jake's like please don't make me leave please don't make me leave this is my home right when I came here with my dad you know this was this place was just an empty shell but we built a life here together you know we, the two of us, had my father and myself, you know, we were in a bad place when we came here, right? And this place, mm-hmm. you know, he built it, we built it together, and this is home now. You know, there's that moment, I forget what episode is it, but like, Cisco finally refers to Deep Space Nine as home. He's like, let's come on, let's go home. He's like, wait, home? When did that happen? When did this station become home? And you can tell, like, they together have built a home here and jake is like please don't make me leave this home that we have built together where we finally were able to fix things fix things in a sense after jake's mom died and to me that's a really poignant moment because i i felt that i really felt that you know not wanting to to leave the home that i grew up in right you know with my dad like I went to college down in Florida my first year and and a lot of the problems that I mentioned that I had dealt with the fact that I had uh I was away I had I had moved away from that home that I had with my dad and so that really stood out that, to me that the house um that I, I would always come over to was that the same house that, that was um your dad lived house, into yeah. mm-hmm. okay so like y'all y'all have been in that house like forever then. Oh yeah, we, we as, moved as there. I was like four or five years old. Okay, okay. Wow. Yeah, the um. For me, one of the. I, I think I kind of alluded to it in terms of like a favorite moment was. Like being in being in sick bay um and just seeing and hearing 
like the experience of like those characters of, um, you know, Jake, just tell me that you're going to be okay. That's all I need to know. And like, oh my God, dude. Oh my God. Like so many times I, I, I told my mom that like on her deathbed so many times, like, I'm going to be okay. I'm going to be okay. So like that hit home like crazy. And like the look on Jake's face was the look on my face, you know, here in my, my early thirties, um, saying that stuff. So, um, I, I, it was, it was, it was just good just all around. Um, like that was definitely a favorite moment for me. Another, I think another favorite moment was, um, when was that? Um, when, um, oh goodness, um, Jake's wife's name. Um, Was it Karina? Karina, yeah. Karina. Or Karena. Whenever she... Whenever whenever she brings the books over to show what, um, you know, what Jake has has done. Like, I think of that now, like, in kind of, like, where I'm at, you know, in my my life, personally and professionally, and, like, just how badly I know I want to share that with my mom. And I'm, I'm, I want to share it with my dad, too, of course. But I was like, goodness, stop reading my mail. Stop it. Stop it. And it was, it was just so, so real, so, so genuine. Um, like, just, it wasn't too much. It was just right. Like, the tone was just right with those interactions, as far as I'm concerned. So that was and, definitely and if, another favorite for me. And, and continuing on that same scene that I wanted to bring up a different aspect of that is um, you know so much of the idea of like being a man is like you you have to be tough you have to be strong you have to bottle everything up inside right and you have to you know have to be this steely exterior right and you, you can't show your emotion you can't cry and and when you sometimes think about the media portrayal like of black fathers right like you and i are both white so like we don't like take all of this conversation with a huge like i don't know what the heck i'm talking about right but like you you see this portrayal of black fathers in the media as like stern tough authoritarians right and that's not what ben cisco is at all right as a father he is very loving very caring very emotional and very affectionate and you see all throughout the show that jake and ben are very affectionate for each other right and they don't subscribe to this like be a man don't be emotional bottle everything up inside and so you see that moment where like you know jake's wife brings over those books and you can tell like Jake is just in tears and like he like you know leans his head on his dad's shoulder and he starts crying and then you know you see like his wife she's like she motions like hey I'm gonna I'm gonna leave I'm gonna go to give you two some time together and and Ben Sisko just kind of nods right because he understands right and they just like share a tender moment together they're being affectionate and it, it just it felt right and it it felt believable and it's so 
great to see the portrayal of, you know, men, father and son. They don't have to just be like, shake hands, like, shake my hand, give me a good stern handshake. We can be like emotional and affectionate with each other. And there's nothing right. wrong with that. That's normal. Right. That's, yeah. Whether, whether it's Ben and Jake or it's with any father and son, I think that's, it's, it's a completely acceptable thing. But to your point, you know, a lot of young men, um, and I would go as far to say that probably you and I, I mean, definitely I, I mean, I was told to um, be a lot more stoic, but I'm a counselor for crying out loud. So of course I'm like way more in touch with my emotions. I'm like into drama and music. So like I'm, I'm not like the, the, the stereotypical male. Like I'm way more in touch with my emotions. So it's, it's okay for young men and their fathers to show, you know, love and affection for one another. Um, and I'm an like we see modeled on screen. So like, you know, you know, I'm an emotional train wreck. Like I, you're an emotional train wreck. Yeah, definitely. Okay. I, I remember, um, I want to say, Eric, I want to say it was on um, the, what, the What We, we Left Behind uh, documentary where uh, Sirach was talking about, I think that's how you pronounce his name, Sirach I've always pronounced Lofton. it Kirik, Kirik. I think it's Sirach. Um, however it's pronounced, I'm sorry if someone knows the proper pronunciation, but that's what I'm going with right now. Um, he, him and... Um, and Avery, like, were very much like father and, and son. And um, Avery, you know, one thing that he said he wanted to, you know, be important with the character development is modeling a good father-son relationship, especially for uh, the black community, is, is really, like, what he wanted. Like, that was, like, part of the notes and, like, what he wanted to see as, like, part of the trajectory with his character. Um, and just kind of how he kept like nurturing that essentially. And um, uh, Sirach at one point was talking about um, how they went to a Lakers game at one point with him, Avery, and Avery's son, biological son. And uh, I don't remember which player or players they met, but Avery like, you know, was like courtside or something like that. And after the game, goes up to like this basketball player and was like, Hey, I'd like you to meet my sons. So like the relationship that Avery and Sirach had was like very genuine. And, um, I mean, I, I, I there's, there, there's like kind of like a similar thing. Like I know, um, we've, we've talked about him before, but like Jerry, like I was talking to Jerry, like shortly after my mom died and like, he refers to you and me as, as his sons. You know, I mean, we're not obviously his real sons, but he still calls us his sons. So, like, that's like a deep bond, deep connection that you have with someone, you know, to, to like have that level of um, connection and affection for one another. Yeah. And I, I, yeah, I remember that story right from that documentary, how, how Kirik was always like, yeah, he, he like totally accepted me as, as his own son. And, um, you know, uh, Avery Brooks has, has said many times that part of what drew him to the role was, you know, the fact that the character was written t- to have a son, right, and to be a widower. And one thing that'll stand out is um, in the scene 
in what you leave behind um where you know cisco is in the the, the temple with the prophets and he's talking about how he'll, he's gone he's got he's got things to learn with the prophets it was actually avery brooks who said we have to put the line in this show that i'll be back or you know i'm coming back right that was avery brooks who was adamant about adding that in there because he didn't want this to be to people to see this as a father leaving behind a son or a husband leaving behind a wife and in fact leaving behind a second child at this point right because cassidy had just had a young baby he was like adamant that i do not want anyone to be able to see this as a black father abandoning his family so Mm -hmm. put that line in there i'm coming back yeah yeah there was there was one other thing about um like we were kind of like tag teaming there for a second with like the tony todd stuff um but it was the thing like it was like a favorite thing i guess just with how benjamin and jake older jake were how avery and tony were together like you like tony oh my gosh like i I can't give this guy enough credit with how well he became a puddle with benjamin with, with with avery in their scenes like i don't know what it was eric but there was just something about the way that that um avery brooks cupped um tony's uh face in like i think they're like their final or like pretty much all their interactions and i'm like man like just the way they like look at each other just the way that they really work the camera and like drive that emotional tension and like the payoff that they have in each scene together i was like man that is like really good acting because like that does not feel fake that does not feel forced everything about that was genuine this is what a father-son relationship should be what it should look like and and i think the thing that makes it so great is that you know when i think about ben cisco you think about the theatrical bombastic person who talks like this all the time right <laughs> yeah you know, <laughs> you know very very theatrical right true you know yeah. bombastic he likes to yell at people he likes to give speeches he likes to go on rants but like you contrast that with all these really tender moments that are present throughout the entire show and it's just avery brooks does not get enough credit for how well he played this role right people mm-hmm. always are like Kirk or Picard, Kirk or Picard. And I'm like, Cisco. <laughs> Avery, I mean, Avery Brooks really does. I mean, he does not get enough credit for right. how well he played such a, like, it's such a much more complex character than either Kirk or Picard was because Kirk, or, Kirk and Picard, they had the reset every episode, essentially. Right. Well, and, Not and, to say I don't love Kirk and Picard, because I do, right? I love sure. them both. Please sure. hate tweet me all you want for saying don't don't hate tweet me, right? Yeah, I, yeah, I still haven't created that that uh, that tweet that uh, Twitter handle for you yet. I'm about to though. It's coming. It's coming real soon. Um, no, but like, 
Um, with to your point, you know, with with Cisco, I mean, he's playing a, a spiritual leader. He's playing a widower. He's playing a, um, a Starfleet leader, right? Um, he's in. He's got to like play this like kind of weird kind of relationship with like one of his his friends who was like basically his drinking buddy to now it's his science officer. So like he's got like so many layers to him. And I've only I know that was like only three or four things, but like seriously, he is so complex compared to a lot of the other Starfleet captains that we have the privilege of of meeting and spending time with on these Star Trek shows. So yeah, I mean he's he's fantastic. And I, I think I said that like after my first earnest watch through of deep, of deep space nine like yeah man this show's like up there i think this is like you know number two for me may it's I mean, it's coming up on number one hold it in such high regard what's that you realize why people hold it in such high i do regard. yeah once i mean again for me i can't speak for others but seriously like once i got past like the midpoint in what was it like season two or three or something like that like yeah this is where it's at like this is like that's me I realize it's not you. That's me. And like the show, like you, you just, you don't want to let go. You don't want to let go after, after you get to a certain point, whatever that point is for you. But, um, goodness, goodness, goodness. Can we, okay. So I just want to talk about something like nowhere near is like deep or serious, if that's okay for a second. Yeah. But go for it. I love the all good things slash, um, visitor uniforms like slash endgame uniforms like i wish i could like i wish i could get my hands on like a one color of each like i want that uniform so bad yeah do you like that i do like that yeah i really do okay fine (laughs) i'm 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 gonna be like take it or leave it right (laughs) it's good it's fine i prefer the gray i prefer the grays Oh, don't get me wrong. I love Although, me. The grays just look hot, though. Like, I feel like you wear that to, like, a convention or something. You're going to be, like, sweating through that thing by the end of the day. True story. It's a true story, actually. <laughs> yeah. I've, ha- I've had some soggy uniforms before wearing them to cons. Especially, especially if you wear undershirt, the vest, and then the over jacket. Oh, no. That, that's just suicide. Like, don't, don't do that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that that's just a bad idea waiting to happen right there. Um. So I I no don't don't do that. Um. But I I really like those uniforms. I mean, for crying out loud, I have. I mean, the viewers can't. I mean, listeners can't see it. But I mean, I think this is a fun com badge. And of course, yeah. I think you know Kurtzman and company got like took some inspiration from this for crying out loud. But. Um, I don't know. I just think I think it's a, a nice looking uniform. It's still loyal to like the the, the Starfleet kind of look, as far as I'm concerned. Was was the first time we saw those in All Good Things? Yes. Was it no? Or, yeah, this episode was after All Good Things. Yeah. It was. Yeah. yeah. And the the decision to actually use it in this episode is because of All Good Things, and knowing like the timelines that they were in. And that this would have lined up with around the time that stuff was happening. So yeah, it was kind of sure. Okay, I liked it. I liked it. Just yeah, just a dumb little thing. I found someone in the UK that actually makes the um, the Star Trek um, Love Boat uniforms. I don't know if you've ever seen the SNL 
uh, parody. I don't know what those are, no. So, okay, so there... <laughs> Patrick Stewart, I think it was like right around the time that they had wrapped on, wrapped the series for TNG. Patrick Stewart is, is a, a host on Saturday Night Live, like around 94-ish. And anyways, they did a Star Trek spin on um, the love boat. So they, they basically took their um, their uniform top instead of it being like, you know, burgundy or red and, and black, it was red and white. And he had like some white, like short shorts. They gave him like a little captain's hat, like with like the com badge in the center and stuff. And um, they had Chris Farley playing a uh, Riker. They had um, Tim Meadows, who was Jordy. Um, they had uh, Rob Schneider as Data. It was it was hilarious. So just go on YouTube and type in um, Star Trek Love Boat, and you'll see the uniforms. Anyways, there's a guy that I that um, I was put in contact with by another Star Trek fan that makes those uniforms. That I think also makes the All Good Things Endgame, the Visitor style uniform. So. Anyways, I want one. I want one very badly. Um, I know we've we've kind of we've been singing the praises of this particular episode. Um, however, have were there any like eh, or like thumbs down kind of moments or whatever with this episode that just like no, I'm good. No, this this episode it all works for me, right? I mean, I mean, I might, there might be some people that say we don't get enough of like O'Brien or Bashir or anybody like that, but you know they 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 don't need to be in this episode. They're 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 in it. They don't they don't need to have a big role. I think maybe you could have had some more of the. The da- Dax consoling Jake. You know, there's the one scene where he's like got his head in her lap and she's like petting his head, right, to comfort her. Maybe you could have, you know, added a little bit of, um, you know, the two of them, you know, or Jedzia trying to help Jake through it. Maybe that would have been something you could have done. Um, but I think on the whole, this episode it works. It's fantastic and and very little that you can you can quibble with sure for me anyway yeah i was i was really trying to think of of stuff like any stuff that like i just didn't like and it was just like one of those like dodgeball kind of things like nobody makes me bleed my own blood nobody like nobody makes me cry my own tears nobody and um anyway i couldn't i couldn't really I was really trying to find something I didn't like with this episode. Like I'm not, you know, you might listen to like when we go through like our, our um, new Star Trek episodes, like, like the engaged stuff and it might seem like we're hypercritical, but like, I'm really not a critical person, believe it or not. And I couldn't find anything. I could not well, find I, anything. I, I think the difference there is, some of the things that we've talked about recently, there's been a lot to criticize, right? And um, fairly, I think. Some people might say not fairly, but I think some of the more modern Star Trek has deserved criticism. Sure. This episode has deserved praise. 
Sure. Absolutely. I really like... Hey, I'll criticize Deep Space Nine when it needs to be criticized, right? I, when we were talking about that writer of this episode, and I said, ooh, he wrote Fascination. That's not a good episode. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'll criticize Deep Don't think I'm, like, looking at this with rose-colored glasses or anything. I can see your glasses. They are not rosy right now. No, I mean, they are. No, they're not. They're kind of rosy. Well, they're black. <laughs> I'm getting this glare off the... Like I lifted up my computer and I'm getting glare right in my eyes. Goodness. Well, it's it's a good episode. So I'm trying to look look down. Well, as as we start to um, earnestly wrap this thing up, um, any any closing thoughts before maybe we give it like a rating, perhaps? Yeah, I mean, I mean, you know, you wanted to talk about this episode because of you know Father's Day coming up, and I think, you know there's so much more that we could talk about the relationship between Ben Sisko and his son, Jake Sisko or Jaco. I love when he calls him Jaco. Jaco! <laughs> <laughs> like, so much that is just a good conversation we could talk for so long about, but I really just like the way that they're affectionate to each other, they love each other, they both went through this tragedy together, and you see this great portrayal of a father who, you know, at the beginning of the show, he is considering leaving Starfleet because he needs to take care of his son, and that's the priority. And you don't see, oh, like, I lost my wife. Sometimes you see this portrayal of, like, somebody will lose their husband or their wife, and they'll go into such grief that they ignore their child so to sometimes yeah. right you see yeah. that in, in in tv literature and i'm sure you see it in real life too all the time but what we see here is that you know they lost you know ben lost his wife jake lost his mom and you know it doesn't break them it, it like they find a way to work through this together and they have a really great loving relationship it's not always perfect we see that there are times when like <laughs> Uh, so true. Wait, my son plays Domjot. <laughs> Tell me more about my poet hustler son here. <laughs> when he when he brings home that Dabo girl, <laughs> you know, <laughs> right? And then like we see, you know, one thing about like fathers and sons. Sometimes you see is that the father will want the son to follow in his footsteps, right? But like when you raise your child you try to raise i mean i don't know i'm not a parent you are i mean so maybe you can correct me but i feel like you would try to raise them to be an independent person and to to look and want what's best for them and you shouldn't necessarily try to force them down a path that you want them to right i know there are parents that say hey you know this is your dream and the kid is like that's not my dream. That's your dream. That's what you want for me. That's not what I want. And I think we see some of that here in, in this. Like, Ben Sisko just assumed that Jake would go to Starfleet, right? But when he said he didn't want to go to Starfleet, he wanted to become a writer, you know, Ben is he's fully behind it, and he's fully supportive of his son. And he's not like, what do you mean you don't want to go to Starfleet? What do you mean you want to be a writer? What, what's, a, what's a writer? What purpose is that? But we see he's, like, so supportive of that decision. And he's like, I want you to be your own independent and happy person. 
and if this is what you want to do I'm all for that and I think that is like such a good like positive portrayal of a father-son relationship and I'm, I'm really ex- I, I was really happy to see that throughout the show now there are times when Jake the writer makes Captain Cisco very unhappy there are times like when like they're at home and and Captain you know Ben will say something thinking he's just talking to his son and then Jake will write about it in the the Federation news he's like what are you doing Jake you cannot write about stuff like that (laughs) or when like Jake stays behind during the Dominion War you know or he goes behind the front lines with Julian yeah there I mean so there are times when he gets frustrated but you know it never it never becomes anything more than just a frustration it's always like I respect your career and I still want you to do this but sometimes you do drive me a little crazy that's true yeah that's 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 true yeah one thing I remember asking uh, my mom was um, um, it was like after the first time I ever watched uh, Forrest Gump and you know you hear Forrest Gump Forrest ask his mom like mama what's my destiny and I, I turned to my mom like mom what's my destiny and she's like well you got the rest of your life to figure it out and whatever it is I support you type of thing and my my dad I remember it was some time after um, I moved back to Texas like after we graduated from U of M that um, I I don't remember exactly how it happened or, or exact exact conversation, but my dad was basically saying like, like the thing that I want as your as your parent as your dad is for you to do far better than I could have ever done, like whatever that that is, like I knew I did not want you being a welder. Like there's nothing. He's like there's nothing wrong with being a welder. I didn't want you to have that lifestyle. I didn't want you to go down that path if you didn't want to do that. That's why it was important for me or for me to have you go to college and uh, whatever you, you chose, I wanted you to do better than me. Like you're like, as a parent, we want you to always outdo your parents um, as, as much as possible. And, you know, now that I'm a, I'm a dad, I'm a hundred percent behind that, you know, with um, pr- prior to the dog attack that happened about a year ago with my daughter, um, she was like very much into like animals. So like we got her as much animal stuff as we could to kind of keep her interest going. And then like, she started watching like doc McStuffins and like, like all this different doctor stuff. And, uh, anyway, we, we just tried to nourish it as much as possible. Does that make sense? So, um, I, th- I think that that's the thing that's important with, um, with being a parent is, um, is nourishing these things as much as possible. I think that's what, what Benjamin does, uh, what Ben does, uh, with, uh, with Jake.
Where, where'd, you, where'd you lose me? Um, basically right when you started talking about animals. Okay. So, um, anyway, like with, with Elena, you know, with, with her, like she was really getting into animals. So we wanted to like nourish that as much as we could, like with the shows that she watched, the books that we read. And then like, she started gravitating more and more to like doctor type stuff. So, you know, she would start watching like Doc McStuff. And so like all that stuff, like we wanted to like nourish her interest, no matter how, uh, deep or shallow it might be, you know, for a toddler. And um, if she decides that she wants to be a veterinarian or a doctor, or if she wants to be an AC repair person, if it makes her happy, that's all I care about. I want her to be happy in whatever it is that she pursues. And the same is going to go for my son, too. I might not like it, but it's her life. And uh, whatever she pursues, if she's happy, then I'm happy. Um, as long as it's not an illegal, um, immoral, unethical kind of thing, of course. Then I'll probably put my foot down to a certain extent, but yeah, right, rightfully so. But I mean, like, come on now, like, what a what a great relationship, uh, what a great relationship um, that that um, Ben and Jake have, and that we get to see develop and flourish throughout this amazing, amazing Star Trek show. So um, as we go ahead and um, put the final final touches on this you're correct eric there's a lot more to ben and jake that we could definitely talk to about like the father-son dynamic um i'm of the not opinion to ma- not to mention the the racial aspect of it that i think neither one of us are really qualified to talk about that's true that's true um but i think this is this is um a very uh poignant and I think this is like probably one of the best if we had to choose of the Ben and Jake relationship to kind of showcase. Um, as, as we talk about the whole father son thing, especially like with father's day uh, weekend coming up, you know, for, you know, the time of this recording, the time that this is originally uh, dropping for our listeners. So uh, it might be Christmas if you're listening to this um, way after the fact for all I know, I don't know. Um, how would you rate this? Let's, let's do like kind of out of 10 type of thing this is a 10 this, this isn't a i mean i mean if you say nothing is a 10 and because there's always room for improvement then 9.8 9.9 but like <laughs> unabashedly this episode is a 10 like there are there are very few star trek episodes that i would rate this that highly but this is this is one of them okay okay um I remember what I was going to say I didn't like, like the one stupid little thing I didn't like, and that was just the prosthetics. That was it. Just like for like the older like Bashir and Jedzia, that was that was it. Just the just the prosthetics that I didn't like. But that's like the only thing. So, if I'm going to be that guy, this is going to get a a 9.99. Like that yeah. that's about it. Um this is a phenomenal phenomenal episode um this is easily in my top five top 10 of all star trek ever ever and i think i have at least maybe two or three from deep space nine in my top 10 at least yeah i think in a a certain sense this is almost like my schindler's list episode if you know if you if you've seen schindler's list it's like that amazing movie that is like an undoubted 10 but it's like 
not the movie you want to watch all the time. And so, like, this for episode sure. is a no doubt 10 for me, fantastic. But it's, like, for a lot of, you know, really personal reasons that hit close to home, it's not the episode that I want to watch all the time. Sure. Sure. I know, and I know you've said that a couple times just in this episode. I'm just going to kind of put you on the spot. Do you have, like, a comfort food episode of Star Trek that you, you go to, whether it's in Deep Space Nine or just in general? Uh, yeah, you're putting me on the spot there. There's so many, like, great episodes that I could turn to. I mean, something like Our Man Bashir is, like, I love that episode because, you know, I'm a big fan of, like, the spy genre and the James Bond. And, uh, you know, it's it's just fun to see all those characters, like, getting to have fun themselves. You know the actors have fun yeah. with something like that. That's an episode that I could just turn to all the time. Okay. Okay. I mean, if and- that's just, like, I'm sure I could think of something else if I like had time but that's just something that's coming to mind right now on the spot yeah i gotcha yeah. Uh-huh. and for me like not deep space nine because um, one i don't know the episodes anywhere near as well as you do names that is um but the one that i do like if if i have a choice to like watch like just something just to kind of put me in a good mood it's going to be time zero part one and two from next gen like that's the one that i've probably watched the most to be completely time honest zero Times Arrow. Oh, Times Arrow. Okay, yeah, 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 definitely. Sure, that's a fun one. So, all right. Well, uh, to first off, Eric, thank you for for um, talking this episode with me, and um, and you know, it's always it's always a pleasure having a conversation with you about something to do with Trek, whether it's a book, it's an episode, it's a whatever. So, thanks for talking about this with me. Yeah, thanks for continuing to have me back. Yeah, man, for sure. Happy uh, Father's Day to all the dads out there. Whether you're bio dad, your stepdad, your um, like a father figure, whatever that might look like. Uh, whether you're mentoring kids, um, happy Father's Day to each and every one of you out there. Um, hope you uh, enjoy your weekend. Enjoy being um, celebrated and celebrating with your kids, whatever you call your kids. Um, I hope you have a very um, enjoyable, relaxing weekend uh, with with people, and um, I hope all our listeners hope you enjoyed this episode. You know, we kind of started off kind of kind of deep with uh, with some things, and we've kind of ebbed and flowed throughout this episode. But um, I'd love to hear some of your thoughts about this episode. Um, maybe some some um, poignant father whatever moments that you've had that you'd maybe be willing to share that we could um, share on a future episode um, in like a comments, like a hailing frequencies kind of section of our show. Um, so anyways, I know this has been kind of all over the place, but again, thank you so much for, for joining us uh, week after week, so to speak, uh, listening to this content. This, this show would not be what it is without people to actually listen to this audio that we've put together for you to, you know, beam into your ears. So, uh, thank you from the bottom of my heart for for tuning in and listening to this podcast. Um, anyways, if uh, if you have some stuff to share, you want to hear more, you want to get more involved, there's a couple of different ways you can do that. Uh, you can, of course, listen to us, download us. Um, you know, you can 
automatic, whatever it's called, subscribe, um, follow, depending on which um, podcasting service you're using, um, so that you automatically get notified whenever we drop a new episode. We would love that. We are on pretty much all the podcast places that I know of at this point. Um, so just do that. Tell a friend about it. You know, share this on your, your socials, your Facebook, your Instagram, Twitter, stuff like that. Uh, we have a website, trtvpod.com. You can get all the information, find ways to connect with us, email us, send us a note. Um, you can also support the show uh, through um, buying merch. We have some merch on our website. Uh, we have a Patreon. We just dropped some um, uh, patron-specific stuff on the Patreon for upcoming thingies and um, so a project that we're working on with our patrons. So, um, again, all the links are at TVR, trtvpod.com. We're on all the socials at trtvpod. It's Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. If you do want to send us an email, it's trtvpod at gmail.com. You can also send us a voice-only transmission. Um, that is 817-752-4757. Remember, there's a three-minute time limit, and your comments may be used on a future episode, which we would love to do, by the way. We'd love to use your words on our show. Be fantastic. Um, finally, if you do want to mail us something like a journal or a best of book or something, um, a compilation type of thing, that's that's fine. Make sure you get to the Lone Star Station PO Box two four five five, Azel Texas seven six zero nine eight. Guys and gals, everyone out there listening to us, what whoever you are, wherever you may be, thank you so much for tuning in. And as always, remember to boldly go and make it so.